I want to talk to you about a city, a very particular city in the Old Testament. We'll talk about it in detail in just a moment, but the name of that city is Ziklag. Everybody say that word with me, Ziklag. What a name. I don't know of a city in North Carolina called Ziklag. We've got about every other name, but we don't have a Ziklag to the best of my knowledge. But let's go into chapter 27 of 1 Samuel, and let's, for the sake of time, scroll down to the 5th verse. Let's get some things in context about what we are reading today, and then we'll share our heart. And David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. A full year and four months. Ziklag is a city that you'll find to this day the remnants of that city in modern day Israel. But it's a town in our Bible in the southernmost boundary of Judea. And it's first mentioned in the Bible as part of the inheritance of the tribe of Judah. But it was not in this point conquered by the Israelites in this time of David. Saul is still king and Ziklag is under Philistine control. Philistine control. This is a city that answers to the king of Gath named Achish. And what you just read was a dialogue between that king of Gath named Achish and David, who is the anointed king of Israel, as Brother Joe preached in our Jubilee, but he's not yet been appointed as king over Israel. He's on the run from Saul. Saul is trying to destroy him. He's trying to kill him. There's been war and conflict, if you will, with Saul. You read in the previous chapters, there's even an opportunity maybe for peace to be made between the two of them. Neither one of them trust each other. And David, in a moment of a knee-jerk reaction, in the moment of an emotional response, he leaves God out of the equation and he goes to the Philistine king Achish and says, King, I need a place of refuge. King, I need a place where the pressure can get off of me. King, I need a place where me and my family can find a little respite from the pressure of running from Saul. And if you'll notice, the Philistine king gave him exactly what he asked for. King Achish awarded this city, the city we've already talked about, Ziklag, and he gives it to David, and he does it that day. There wasn't even a process. Achish was just glad to have David at arm's distance, and there be mutual ground where they're not attacking one another. David had his own private army, mighty men who were valiant and who would die for David, and who had killed a lot of bad guys, and who had taken on a lot of battles, and, and they had been very successful. They had an air about them. And so this king Achish was happy to oblige David. Sure, David, you can have Ziklag. He's just glad that he's not at war with David. Now, the Philistines are at war with Israel. 
and they're fighting King Saul. And King Saul is after David. So the Philistines are killing Israelites. They're fighting Israelites. And David has now made a peace pact with the enemy. David's gone to the king of the enemy uh, of Gath, no less, and has asked him for a place to hide out. He gives it to him. And, they, and then David moves not only his family, but he moves the family of the 600 men that are with him inside the walls of Ziklag. And this may be a familiar story to you. You may know the full context of what happens here. But let me go ahead and say this on the onset so that we're very clear with something. This story, this entire story should have never happened. The entire process of David and his family and David's men and their families going into Ziklag should have never happened. David should have never made a pact. He should have never been neutral with the enemy of God. He should have never looked at the king Achish and said, hey, give me a place to chill out and, and so I can get the pressure off of me. David made a deal with the devil to get the pressure off of him and his family. And he left God out of the entire equation. Nowhere in your Bible will you find where David went before the Lord and asked of him permission to go to Achish. Nowhere in your Bible will you find where David went before the Lord and asked for permission to set up shop in Ziklag. But David got worried. David got afraid. David got ahead of himself. And then David put his life and the life of his own family in his hands and set up shop in Ziklag. This story should have never happened in the first place. And this morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to share my heart from this story. And I want to preach on this thought. Your ziklag is on fire. Your ziklag is on fire. This story of sad, horrific situations that never had to be. Do we believe David to be the anointed one of Israel, the king to come? Do we believe that this morning? Yes. Do you believe that David belonged to God? Yes. Do you belong to God this morning? Yes. Then maybe for some of us that are here this morning, those that are in the faith, those that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, this can serve for us as a warning to our lives. This can serve for us as an example for us to follow. This can serve for us as a mistake that somebody else made that you should not make and that I should not make. And this morning, with the help of the Lord, we will see that our ziklag is on fire. I want to pray and then I'll share my heart. Holy Father, again in Jesus' name, God, what a privilege it is to be in this house. God, this house of prayer and praise and worship. And Lord, I know for this week, for this hour, right now in this moment, what you want preached. And God, we've wrestled all week and we've gone back and forth. And Lord, I know what I wanted to do, but God, this morning I know what you want to do. And Lord, I pray that you would take your word and God, that you would use it to change a life, change a heart. God, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that no one would see me, but God, they'd see you high and holy. God, that they'd see your word in its proper place. And that, Father, every heart would be attentive. Every ear would listen to the preached word. And that, God, you'd bind distraction. Help us to pay attention now. Holy Ghost, would you move in our service, in our midst. Add your blessing to the reading of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
And amen. This is a place that David should have never been. Ziklag is a story of sadness and tragedy that did not have to be. And before we share any of the points and share our heart, let me say this. Church, there is a consequence. Listen now. There is a consequence for the child of God when he ignores the leadership of God for his life or her life. There is a consequence for the child of God who takes over a situation and puts God in the back seat and it puts you in the pilot seat and it always ends in a mess. I thank God for how this story is going to end. But I really would love as your pastor with all the love in my heart for you to understand this story and that maybe God would allow you to have a morning where he fires a shot across your bow and gives you a warning that could change your life. And if you have children or teenagers living in your home, that it could change the trajectory of your entire family's experience on this earth. I believe that with all of my heart this morning. There is a reason that some people came to Jubilee this past week and were unable to worship. There's a reason that some people came to Jubilee this past week and as God blew through here on Friday night especially, we'll never forget how, how God just really settled in on this service. And, and there were some people you could not weep you could not raise a hand. Your heart couldn't leap for joy. You couldn't experience anything other than watching other people enjoy the presence of God. And the truth is, if you'll turn around this morning and take a good look, you'll find that your ziklag is on fire. Your ziklag is on fire. There are three things I'm going to give you this morning. Number one, I want you to understand this. Prayerlessness is a place. Prayerlessness is a place, I'm talking about a destination. The king to be of Israel had no business having a business discussion, a peace compact with the king of Gath named Achish. You'll find that David and his family wind up in Ziklag instead of turning towards God and asking God for direction. This whole story happens because David takes his life in his own hands and in one day, in one decision, in one motion, he hits a domino effect that will reverberate for the rest of their lives all because David made a decision to exclude God from the happenings of his family. David took the path of least resistance. Hey, I know Achish and the Philistines have this little city over there. Uh, it's called, uh, what is it? tell me guys, what's the name of it? Oh yeah, Ziklag. Hey, I, I wonder if I went to Achish and I, I came in a neutral stance and I didn't have all of my men with their swords drawn. I wonder if I would, 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 would embrace him instead of, of an enemy, if I would just be neutral with him. You know, we're not going to sign a peace agreement, but if I could just be neutral with the enemy, I wonder if I could find a place of rest. Instead of David getting on his knees and doing what he's done time and time again, in one day, in one moment of weakness, it changed his life forever. And prayerlessness, the omission of God's involvement in your life, will always lead to a prepared place that the enemy has waiting for every one of God's children. It's a place of neutrality. It's the path of least resistance. It's the place where you can go, where you can wear pretty church clothes and sit in a blue chair and put on a choir robe and serve in VBS but not have to carry a burden. 
It's where you can play the part, say the words, do your thing, but then go get in a place that's been prepared for you, a place of neutrality. Why does the devil leave you alone? Because you're hemmed up in Ziklag with no burden and you're out of God's will. That's what this all pertains to is being inside the perfect will of God. Can I get a witness in the house this morning that there is something special about being in the perfect will of God for your life? And then there is something to be said about God's permissive will. God didn't strike David dead. He let David go to Ziklag. God didn't send battalions of angels and warn David. David sends his family to Ziklag and they get hemmed up in this city, this place. And understand this morning that prayerlessness is a place. And my heart for you is this morning is, are there any of you who are in that place? Are you living your life flippantly? Or are you just doing the day however it comes? I'll sleep to whenever I wake up. I'll, I'll, I'll make me a sandwich. I'll live life. I'll do my thing. I'll pay my bills if I have money. If I don't, now yeah, whatever. And there's just this lackadaisical, flippant approach, not just to the things of God, but to life itself. What a waste of one of God's chosen people. What a waste of a life. God has called you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To live in his perfect will for your life and be a living sacrifice daily. David is the anointed king of Israel and has no business talking to Achish. He's a Philistine. He's the king of Gath. Who else was from Gath? Goliath. Realize what's happening here. David has, has, has made a deal with the Philistines. Remember what David did as a young boy when he was so full of God and full of zeal and full of passion and he stands there at the brook and he goes, is there not a cause? And he slays the giant, the hero of Gath and he cuts off his head and he takes that old burly head and shakes it in front of the Philistines and now he's making a deal with the devil to have a place of rest. Oh, if I can just get the pressure off me. It costs me to follow God. Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. It's pressure to pray and to carry a burden for the church and for my family and for my people. Yes, it does. And yes, it is pressure. But if you are not leaning into the pressure that, that is carrying that burden, that is praying for your church, for your family, then understand there's a place that's been prepared for you. It's a place of prayerlessness where God will let you go. And sometimes God will let you get exactly what you want, but it is not exactly what you need. This is spiritual laziness. You hear me? This is spiritual laziness. It's more than just the path of least resistance. You say, you sure are being hard on David. He's running for his life. Of anybody in the Bible, David ought to know better. David has seen the mighty hand of God move. David has seen God do things that no one can explain. And now we're just, we got our backs up against the wall and maybe we're a little tired. So what are we going to do? Throw in the towel and just go make a, a peace compact with the, with the enemy? It's spiritual laziness. David got tired of the burden. He got tired of listening. And he got tired of following by faith and not by sight. You can see Ziklag. Listen, you can see Ziklag. There's walls in Ziklag where God may have led David. We won't know until we get to heaven. But where God may have led David, or may I say this, where David knew God would lead him, wouldn't have the walls. But David said, I've got to do it my way. It's my family. It's their safety. I know what's best for them. And David gets him and his family in a place 
called Ziklag. And that, we could leave that right there and preach that, and no doubt there's power there. But go with me now to chapter 30. Let me tell you how fast this thing goes. Not only does David make a deal with Achish the king, not only is he signing an agreement, if you will, for Ziklag to be his, that there wouldn't be fighting between him and the Philistines. David gets word that the Philistines are about to fight King Saul. The Philistines, the sworn enemy of God and Israel, that they're getting ready to fight one another. And David gets so fast out of the will of God with this one move, with this one motion outside of the perfect will of God. David, if you'll read this story, David is ready to go to battle with the Philistines against Israel and King Saul. David's mind goes insane. He starts doing crazy things that are out of character for him, Pastor Nathan. He starts doing things that make no sense. Why is David the champion, the hero of that day where he killed Goliath of Gath? Why is he now ready to serve alongside the enemy? Because when you're outside of the will of God, you can't think straight. You do crazy things. You say crazy things. You allow yourself to find yourself in places you do not belong. It is not a gradual fade. It is a quick slide straight to where the devil wants you to be. One motion, one moment, one weakness. Not only is there a prepared place, but go to 30 verse 1. David is rejected by the Philistines. Many around King Achish say, you're crazy. We can't let David fight with us. And they send David and his 600 men back. They're so confused by his confusion, they would not let him fight with them. He comes back from trying to fight with the Philistines. He's left his family in Ziklag. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captive that were there within. They slew not any. They didn't kill them, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Not only is prayerlessness a place but when the child of God gets outside of the perfect will of God for their life, that place will always, always, always lead you to have to pay a price. And there is always a price to be paid when the child of God steps outside the will of God for their life. Understand that the peace that David found in Ziklag did not last. And your peace that you have found in your place of prayerlessness in Ziklag will not last. It will never last. It's temporary. It's just moments of peace in Ziklag. It might even be fun in Ziklag. It might be easier in Ziklag. There's surely a lot less pressure to live right and do what God wants you to do in Ziklag. But it will never last. And it will always lead to tragedy. It will always lead to tragedy. David comes back and finds Ziklag is on fire. And the truth is, some of you are still out running with the Philistines and you don't even know that your Ziklag's on fire this morning. 
You're not even paying attention. You're not looking at the world around you. You've not done one spiritual assessment of your family in years, maybe even ever. And we're just hanging out, doing whatever we want to do. However I feel, I'm the, here's one I hear all the time, I'm the man of the house. I'm the breadwinner, I bring home the bacon. Well, bless God, who gave you the ability to go win the bacon and the bread? Who gave you the legs to walk on and have a job? Who gave you the wife? Who gave you the children? Some of us have a ziklag that's ablaze this morning and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. It will never, ever last in ziklag. And here's the truth, folks. The devil does not play fair. Let me say it again. The devil doesn't play fair. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't play fair. And what will happen is we'll see God move and we'll be in a church like this where you can enjoy the goodness of God, be a part of the membership and the fellowship. And somehow, some way, I guess sometimes it's founded on the goodness of God. You'll think that somehow you are the exception to the rule. Well, they're praying, they're serving, they're giving. They're doing what's right. They're, they're leading their family. My kids go over to their kids' house all the time and they play. Uh, they, they can carry it all of it for us. It'll be okay. I, I, you know, I'm really busy and I've got a big job and I've got a lot of kids. And, and, and well, I've, uh, you know, it ain't going to happen in my house. We're the exception to the rule. How arrogant of us to think that. It'll always, always end in tragedy. And see, here's the sad part about this. Moms and dads, everybody in this room that's a parent, say amen. amen. Say amen again louder. Amen. Listen to me. Our sin, our prayerlessness, our omission will usually be paid for by the next generation. It'll be paid for by the next generation. Notice what happened. There's a, there's a picture into this story. Go to verse 16 of chapter 30. It's a, it's a vile look at what's happening in this story. David is, is getting ready to overcome the enemy and get his family back. But before he gets his family back, look what he finds in verse 16. And, and when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. The Bible's telling us the Amalekites took the wives and the children of David and his men. And they didn't kill them. They took them to their camp. And it says that they danced and they got all spread out everywhere. And they had a big party and they drank and they ate and they danced. They had no idea that David and his men were even coming back to Ziklag. And so they're having a party with David's family. And David in his failure, David in his folly, he has to witness some things that you can't even say in mixed company. The enemy played games with his babies. And if you do not think that your prayerlessness won't cost anybody else, then maybe you need to look over the hill and realize that Ziklag is ablaze and that the devil has your babies and he's playing games with them. And he's whining them and he's dining them and he's pouring them another drink all the while Ziklag's on fire. Well, I don't have to pray. My babies will be fine. They got a grandparent that prays for them. Mamas and daddies, who's going to replace the grandparents that are dying and going to heaven? 
Who's going to be the next one? Who's going to be the next backlog of the church? Ziklag is ablaze. And the children are paying. The next generation is paying the price. David is the daddy. David is the husband. And daddy leaves the city. He leaves. Well, my family's safe. They've got walls. It'll be fine. They, they've got a youth pastor that'll love them. They, they've got a, a Sunday school teacher that'll love them. They've got a preacher that'll preach and he'll do his thing and it'll be okay. And, and I'll just go do whatever I want to do. And in the most selfish act of arrogance, David leaves Ziklag and what he's saying to the enemy is I really, at the end of the day, I don't care about their future. You can have the front door. It's wide open. Come do whatever you please. And there are some parents in this church. It's high time that you turn around and pay attention because your zigzag is on fire and your babies have been taken captive. The same way the Amalekites came and they took his family is the same way they're taking your family. Look in verse number one. It says that the Amalekites, they came and they invaded your home has been invaded. And then they had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were within and then carried them away. And there are some of you who have families who are desperate for your leadership. Children who are begging you to lead the charge. Children who are begging you to show them what the Bible says. Children who are begging you to live out what you believe about your faith in front of them. But they can't watch you because you're too busy uh, up with the Philistines doing what you want to do. And Ziklag's on fire. You say this isn't a really fun post-Jubilee message. There's a reason God wants us here this morning. There's a reason some folks weren't able to worship like they should have been able to during Jubilee. It's because the enemy has invaded, he has smitten, he has burned, he has taken, and our families are captive and Ziklag's on fire. Prayerlessness is a place. There's always a price to be paid. You see, we have to think of the wife and the children. We have to think of them as victims. In love, now you hear me, in love, you say, well, these women and these children, they should have ran when they saw the Amalekites coming. They should have locked the door better. Whew. They should have known better than to get captured. Leaders of the home and all love, can I just share my heart with you? It's not the wives' fault. It's not the baby's fault. Daddy, husband, leader of the home, you hear me in love. It's your fault. It's your fault. You're supposed to be standing guard. You're supposed to be following the will of God. You're supposed to have family altar. You're supposed to be leading the charge. But you've walked out on your responsibilities. Your children and your wives can't grow anywhere. They can't do anything spiritually. They are absolutely captured by the enemy. All because of your selfishness. You're selfish. And there will be no movement 
There will be no growth. There will be no fruit that remaineth until the daddy gets out of the Philistine control and comes back to the land that God promised him and lead his house for his glory. And our own petty desires, our own foolishness costs us our family's spiritual well-being. Well, if I can just make another dollar, your dollar can save your baby from hell. If I can just get a bigger house, burn it to the ground, and live in a camper, if it means your family knows God. Well, if I can just get my kids into that school, I got to work a little harder, do a little more. No, you need to sell out lock, stock, and barrel to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come back out and look at Ziklag and say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord I'm talking about a price to be paid you will pay the price someday I said you will pay the price someday why not get out of the enemy's control today come home and lead your family There's a price. There's a price. Are you willing to pay it? Are you willing to pay? You'll have to pay. You'll have to pay it. God's too holy. God's too righteous. He's too jealous of us. He wants all of you. The reason your family went home and acted like Jubilee was nothing but just another little day at the park because there's no spiritual leadership at home. There's a reason you can't talk about God at your family table. There's a reason you can't go in your kid's bedroom and pray with them before they go to bed. It's because your ziklag is ablaze. There's a price to be paid. And they're going to pay it. They'll pay it, moms and dads. Come home and lead your family. There's a price that will be paid. And our churches are full of people who have gone to King Achish and said, I won't pray hard. (laughs) I won't pray for my preacher. I won't pray for my church. I won't shout. I won't rejoice. I'll pay my tithe and then I'll keep my mouth shut. And you've made a deal with the devil. I won't, I won't fast any. I won't take my Bible to work. I won't tell my kids it's a good thing to let their friends at soccer know that they love Jesus. We'll just stay under the radar and watch everybody else serve. And you've made a deal. With all the love in my heart, with all the urgency I can muster, you may not be willing to pay the price. Think of his children. Think of David's daughters. They were in their rooms. The moms, they were at the kitchen and some big, bad, burly Amalekite warrior walks into their home and daddy's not there. There's nobody standing guard. And she scratches and she yells and she screams. But the Amalekite has his way with your baby and marches her out of the camp to take her to his place of refuge. The world's ready for your babies. 
The world's primed to take care of your babies. The world's ready to put a drink in their hand and a drug in their vein. Will somebody please come home? Ziklag's on fire. You say, Pastor, you're too passionate. You're too loud. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, I'm tired of hearing the bad news. I'm tired of having to put my head down when somebody asks me about somebody in this church. I'm tired of the devil having his way with our families. It's time for somebody to come home. Ziklag's on fire. And it's burning to the ground. Well, I'll get to church when I can. Yeah, I can't do this. I, I love your granddaddy, Winston, and, and he was a good man, and he still is a good man, but I ain't getting in on this. This is too much. I'm not going to do it. You will answer to God for it. It's in a, a social club. This isn't a place to come make connections and play politics. My God, people are dying and going to hell. This is a place for broken people, fractured people who are imperfect in every way to grow in the grace of knowledge and be a, a hospital of hope. With all the love in my heart, some of you need to turn around and look. Ziklag is on fire. It's on fire. Now we could stop right there and say, what a terrible, horrible story. It almost feels, if you'd leave it there, that God had punished David. He made one mistake. His family gets captured. They burn the city. It'd be sad to leave it right there, but that's not where God left it. Go to verse number four. Prayerlessness is a place. There's a price to be paid. But praise God, there is a process to pursue. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse number six, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because of the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David said to Abathar the priest, O Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abithar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? He asked God. And God answered him, Pursue. Pursue, David. For thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. David realizes the error of his way. Thank God that David woke up and smelt the coffee. He's standing in the ashes of Ziklag and he goes, Oh my God, what have I done? Oh Lord, what have I done? My family's gone. They've been taken captive. Their bodies aren't here. They must have taken them captive. And he wept till he had nothing left to give. And some of us in this room today, this is the process God will require for you to get back in His perfect will for your life. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you made the poor choice. But God is in a business of full, complete, total restoration of all that's been lost. 
It's not too late to start pointing your teenagers to Calvary. It's not too late to start taking your children and showing them the Bible. It's not too late for you to start praying and asking God to fill your preacher full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost and to fill you full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. It's about time some people in this church, in this room, start doing what God requires. There's a process to, to pursue. There's a process to recover. It began with verse 4 with mourning. Verse 6 in distress. When he's in this distress, the Bible says in verse 6, greatly distressed. This is where David comes to the end of himself. God, I can't do it. God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know where to turn. God, I don't know how to help them. I don't know where they even are. But God, I'm at the end of myself. And then he, it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Do you know what that means? That means that David started operating off of the principle of God's promises rather than the emotion of what he could feel. Well, preacher, I would be faithful, but I just, oh, I, I can't feel the Lord. I can't pray like I used to. I can't worship like I used to. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Go to the things that are immovable in our world. The only thing you'll find is the Word of God. Learn to love it. Love to, learn to live by it. Then encourage yourself in the promises and the principle that God has already given us. There are days you will not feel like serving God. There will be days you don't feel like God's close. There will be days where you feel like everything is falling apart and maybe, maybe just maybe that God's not even listening to you anymore. It says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. He had to realize what happened and turn to God. This is what David should have done in the first place. You paying attention to that? David's doing what he should have done in the first place. He's inquiring with God. The verse 7 says there that he went and got the ephod. The ephod pertains to the high priest. There are two specific gemstones in that ephod. One is called this. It's called Urim. The other is called Thummim. Urim, Urim and Thummim. These two gemstones in the ephod of the high priest. It was brought out and it was used when specific answers were needed from God. Specific answers. And what David's saying is, God, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. I don't know how to recover my family. But I need your perfect will for my life. And I need it now. Those two words, Urim and Thummim. Urim means lights. Thummim means perfection. One means light. One means perfection. You'll never be able to see the dark, obscure path for your life that's in front of every one of us where we don't know what tomorrow holds until you go get the ephod and you ask God to stay in His perfect will for your life. That's how you prevent this story from happening in your life. How do I prevent from myself from getting myself in this place where there is tragedy and pain and a sad story. You stay inside the perfect will of God. How do you do that? By prayer, by supplication, by the reading of His Word. And there you'll find for yourself the process to pursue. Praise God David got his family back. Let's go to verse number 17. 
Listen to how David did this. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, say 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. Verse 18. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Verse 20 tells us that not only did he recover, but he took what those boogers had been taken from everybody else. He said, this is David's spoil. That is grace and mercy on great display. That even when I make a mistake, even when I've not been doing my part, even when I have been making deals with Philistines and holding up my family in Ziklag, that because I am a child of God, God will be merciful to me and allow me to correct the error of my way. And not only did he get his wives back and his children back and, and all the things they had taken from Ziklag that belonged to David, but then David got a payday. What kind of a merciful, gracious God rewards a disobedient child? The one who learns the process of pursuit. This ain't some flippant little switch you, you flip here. The Bible says that David mourned until he had nothing left to cry out. It says that he was greatly distressed and that he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And then after that season of mourning, David said, go get the ephod. I must know the will of God. And God's will was, go get them back. Go get your babies back. I believe with all my heart there's an added layer of grace here. Miss Amber, can you come help me on the piano? I believe there's an added layer of grace here. Not only did God let him recover his family, and not only did he get all the spoils of war from the Amalekites, not only did he get that big payday, but if you'll notice in this story very plainly right in front of you, God didn't send the Philistines to kill the Amalekites. God didn't send Saul and the Israelites, he could have, he's God, to kill the Amalekites and recover David's family. No, no, no. In grace and in mercy, God let the daddy be the hero of the house. Can you imagine being one of them babies? The Amalekites have come, they've taken you out of your house. They're saying things you've never heard. They're doing things you've never seen. They're giving you drink you've never drank. You thought dad was at the front door, but you don't know if he's even alive. You don't know where dad is. You may not even know you're there because of dad's mistake. And God in grace and mercy, he gave David supernatural strength. He said, David, Go recover every bit of what belongs to me that I've given to you. And swing your sword until you can't swing it anymore. 
and I'll let you slay the enemy. I'll let you kill them by the thousands, David, if you'll just follow the process. I'm wondering this morning, is there some daddies in this room? You've let your guard down. Some leaders in the home, you've let your guard down. But God's given you a warning shot across the bow. An opportunity for you to change course. God's not only going to let you recover, but He's going to let you be the hero to your children, the spiritual leader of your family and of your home. He'll let you lead the charge. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one move unless you're sick or have to go to work. Will there be one here under the sound of my voice? I say, Pastor, if I'm being honest, God's put his finger on some things in my life this morning. I've got some things that have to change today. My Ziklag's on fire. God bless you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Would you put your hand up? I just want to know how to pray. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. A lot of daddies putting them hands up. That's what we thought. That's what the Lord wanted today. God bless you, sir. They're in the middle. Thank you, ma'am, for your honesty. I see that hand there on the far side. God bless you right here in the back and in the middle. Anyone else? Say, preacher, my Ziklag's on fire. My family's suffering. It's my fault. I need to change today. Pray for me. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. The Holy Ghost don't lie. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. Hands all over the building. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up this altar. All those hands, there were dozens of hands all over this sanctuary. Say, my ziklag is on fire. Would you just come find a place in this altar to pray? Deacons, I want you to lead the way. Leadership team, I want you to lead the way. Be here ready to pray with these. There were dozens of hands. Would you come? All those hands that were up, daddies, lead the charge. Step out of your seat. All those hands that were up, don't leave the same way. God gave you an opportunity today. Make it different. Miss Amber's going to sing. No one's looking around. No one's assessing. If you're watching them, you, you need to pray. Ask the Lord to help your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You let these come pray that need it. Miss Amber's going to sing. Saints, let's pray.
Holy Father, in Jesus' name, God, we've tried our best to follow your lead this morning. God, I pray in Jesus' name for every person that came forward. God, for every hand that went up, those that didn't move, those that should have. Lord, I pray that you would give every person exactly what they need. God, I pray that today would be a crossroads for our church. God, where some people took a right-hand turn they corrected the error of their way. God, I pray that they'd be faithful to be the people you've called them to be. God, tomorrow morning when the devil comes and the doubt comes, the speculation comes, the critics come, I pray that you give them grace, give them mercy. God, give them exactly what they need. Lord, I pray for the families in this church, God, that are broken, God, that are hurting. God, for the parents that are in this room today who feel guilty, God, for the heir of their own children, God, give them grace. God, for the parents that are coming today to repent of their error, Lord, you've shown them some things. Give them grace. God, for the young parent that today hears the warning, wants to be exactly who you want them to be, give them grace. Lord, for every heart that's here, God, give us what we need. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us in your word. Change our church. Strengthen our families. We'll give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Miss Amber's going to keep playing real soft. There's still those praying.